Welcome back to the show, everybody. This is episode number 92. And in this episode, I am going to be breaking down my top 10 most anticipated movies of 2022. I am also going to be reviewing the first two episodes of The Book of Boba Fett on Disney+. Plus. Uh, what else here? Cobra Kai Season 4. Uh, the entire Matrix series. The Matrix, Matrix Reloaded, Matrix Revolutions, and Matrix Resurrections, the newest one. Um, what else here? Sing 2 and The Kingsman. Um, and then before any of that, I'm going to be getting into some movie and pop culture news. So, uh, without further ado, with one last kind of announcement here, uh, at the end of the episode, I'm going to be giving a special announcement about, uh, what's going down in the next episode, episode 93. Uh, so if you don't stay till the end of the episode, that's fine. I'll be announcing it on my social media pages, which are Pop Culture Podcast, at Pop Culture Podcast on both Facebook and uh, Instagram. Going to be announcing that on the 6th, which will be Thursday. Uh, don't know if this episode's going to come out on Wednesday or Thursday, so we'll see. But if you don't end up listening to the end of the episode, you'll still be able to figure out what that surprise announcement is on my social media. But still encourage you guys to stick till the end. But yeah, without further ado, let's get into some movie and pop culture news. It's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Alright, just a couple pieces of news here. Nothing too crazy. Um, looks like Morbius has pushed back to April 1st of this year. So, not too upset about that. Really not that excited for the movie. But, yeah, it got delayed because of, you know, the surge in coronavirus, uh, coronavirus cases right now. Which, a lot of people are getting it, for sure. Um, <clears throat> but... Yeah, I'm not too disappointed by that. I'm really not looking forward to that movie. I'm not a huge fan of Jared Leto, but I'll still watch it, obviously. And Matt Smith is supposed to be in it, as well as Michael Keaton as uh, Adrian Toomes. So that should be interesting. But, um, yeah. And then a little bit late to this news here. This is my other piece of news. Just a couple things to talk about right off the bat here. Uh, Betty White passed away at 99. She was so close to being 100, but... Um, I've never been, like, the biggest fan of Golden Girls. I haven't really ever watched it, but she's kind of one of those, like, those icons that even if you haven't watched her or anything, you you know who Betty White is, depending on your age. Like, I'm 21, and I know who Betty White is, but I'm sure there's people younger than me, or there's even people maybe older than me or same age that have no idea who Betty White is, but I'm sure a lot of people do know. And if they don't know her or what she's done, they at least know the name. But very sad. But at the same time, she had a very long life and a really great career. So rest in peace, Betty White. Just wanted to talk about these two things right off the bat before I get started on the episode. But uh, yeah, without further ado, let's get into some uh, some reviews. All right, my top 10 most anticipated movies of 2022. 
and uh, I'm not going to waste any time. Let's get into it. And I'm going to be starting at number 10, 10 being I'm excited for it, but it's not my most anticipated. Number one being my most anticipated movie of this year. Coming in at number 10, we have Jackass Forever. I do really enjoy the Jackass movies. I love the guys in those movies, you know, like Steve-O, Johnny Knoxville, Bam, all those kinds of people. I always enjoy Jackass, even though sometimes it kind of made me throw up with certain things that they did. But at the same time, this movie looks like a lot of fun. Looks like they're going to bring in some special guests. Uh, Just from the trailer alone, I saw Eric Andre, so I'm excited to see him in this. Uh, But yeah, it should be a lot of fun, and I can't wait to see it. Coming in at number nine, I have Black Panther Wakanda Forever, another movie with forever in the title. Um, The reason this is at number nine is because I'm excited for it, for sure. It's a Marvel movie, and it's Black Panther, but at the same time, obviously, having lost Chadwick Boseman, not really knowing what they're going to do with this film, I'm a little hesitant on being super excited for it. I'm a little worried, but at the same time, I'm very excited for this film. So that's why it comes in at number nine. At number eight, I have Nope. And this is a film we don't know much about at the moment, but it is going to be directed and I believe written by Jordan Peele. And anytime we have a movie by Jordan Peele coming out, uh, you can bet your bottom dollar I will be very excited and one of the first people in line to go see it. Um, it stars Kiki Palmer. Who else do we have in here? Uh, Michael Wincott, Daniel Kaluuya, or Kaluuya, Kaluuya, Kaluuya. Uh, Stephen Yun is also in it. Um, again, anytime Jordan Peele does anything on the big screen, I am always going to be excited to see what he does. Uh, again, don't know anything about the plot, but definitely looking forward to it. Uh, At number seven, I have The Flash. This is another movie kind of like Black Panther that I'm a little bit worried about. But at the same time, with The Flash, I'd say I'm almost more worried about this film as opposed to Black Panther because I know Marvel Studios most of the time knows what they're doing. Um, But DC, on the other hand, doesn't have the best track record. That being said, um, not the biggest fan of... Crap, what's his name? Um, let me look it up. It'll probably come to me as soon as I start looking it up. Um, let me see here. The Flash. Oh, it says tomorrow Morrison's supposed to be in The Flash. Interesting. Um, as Tom Curry? Okay. Interesting. Sorry completely off track there but uh Ezra Miller never been the biggest fan of Ezra Miller as the uh the Flash but I am excited to see him in this film just from the IMDb alone it has me a lot more excited Ron Livingston is playing Henry Allen did he play him in Justice League I don't think so but if I'm not mistaken he's the dad from The Conjuring and I really liked him in that Oh, yeah, he was also Peter in Office Space. Love that movie. Such a classic. If you haven't watched Office Space, go check it out. But, um, yeah, very cool. We also have Sasha Kale coming in as Supergirl, which we're going to see her in a live-action movie finally. Uh, looks like they're bringing 
uh, probably going to say this name wrong, Kiersey Clemens as Iris West from the Justice League movie. Obviously, Michael, Michael Keaton is coming back as Batman, as well as Ben Affleck. Michael Shannon is in the the uh, IMDb cast here. Don't know if he's going to come back as Zod, but who knows. Um, yeah, I'm very excited for this film. I'm hope, uh, not hopelessly optimistic. Yeah, hopelessly optimistic. That's the word I'm looking for, or the phrase, rather. But I do love the character of The Flash, and I do love Michael Keaton as Batman, so I'm very excited to see this film. At number six, I have Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Another film I'm a little hesitant on because of the success of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Um, oftentimes, when you have a really good first film, the sequel doesn't, doesn't come close, but this is going to be a part one, inter- interestingly enough. Uh, I do like the character of Miles Morales. I loved Into the Spider-Verse, so that's why it's on the list. At the same time, some of the animation in the trailer didn't blow me away, but I am open to new visuals, new looks, new styles, all that kind of stuff. So we shall see what happens in Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1. At number 5, I have Mission Impossible 7. Uh, Hopefully it doesn't get delayed like a lot of movies I feel like are going to because, uh, as I said before, Morbius got delayed. But, yeah, Mission Impossible 7. I've always really enjoyed these films. 2 and 3 aren't my favorite, but every every other film from the Mission Impossible franchise has been an absolute hit for me, especially the last one with Henry Cavill. Such a great movie. But um, they always up the ante when it comes to stunts. Tom Cruise is literally a god and will honestly put himself in harm's way to entertain anybody and i admire him for that so very excited for mission impossible 7 also Haley atwell is supposed to be in it so she'll be a fun addition as well but again always love these films and very excited to see it uh number four i have knives out 2 which is going to be on netflix the second and third knives out movies are going to be on netflix the first one's going to be added on there as well, I believe. And I love the first Knives Out film. Can't wait to see what they do with the second one. Want to see if they bring any back, bring back any cast members from the first one. Uh, I know, obviously, that uh, Daniel Daniel Craig is coming back as his character from that movie. Um, but I don't know about any of the other ones. Ana de Armas would be really cool to see again. But who knows? Um, Knives Out too. Very excited to see it. Uh, at number three, I have Thor Love and Thunder. This one I don't know a whole lot about. I know Jane Foster, obviously, is going to become Thor. Um, and he got Thor back with his chiseled abs after, you know, looking like melted ice cream in Adventures Endgame. But definitely looking forward to Thor Love and Thunder. Looking forward to any Marvel movie when it comes out. And we're definitely going to get quite a few this month. Or month. This year, if we got a few Marvel movies this month, it'd be a very busy month for me. Um, but yeah, I really love Thor Ragnarok, so I'm looking forward to see what Taika Waititi does with this film. At number two, I have Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Very close to being number one, but I have my reservations about this film. Um, I mean, I hope it 
turns out to be really good, and it's definitely going to open up the multiverse and the MCU even more than Spider-Man No Way Home did. No, no spoilers for that here. Um, but, yeah, I'm hopelessly optimistic for pretty much all these movies, because they could all turn out to be terrible, but um, I have faith in Marvel for sure. And also Sam Raimi's directing this film, so how could you not be excited for this? And then we're going to get Strange Supreme from What If as well. So it should be a really fun movie. We're going to have Doctor Strange and uh, Scarlet Witch interacting. And from what I've heard in rumors, we're supposed to get a lot of cameos in the film. So definitely excited to see what happens there. And hopefully they find a way to bring in the X-Men and Fantastic Four and all that kind of stuff. Or at least set them up. But, yeah, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, coming at number two. At number one, you might already be able to guess what it is, or you might not. Uh, You might not know that many movies that are coming out this year. But number one is The Batman with Robert Pattinson. Definitely 100% excited for this film. Um, I love Batman, even though he's kind of the go-to character, and everybody's like, oh, what's your favorite superhero? Oh, I love Batman. Or, oh, I love Superman or Spider-Man or something like that. Those are like the main three that people always always seem to say with Iron Man and Captain America being included in that list. But definitely excited to see Robert Pattinson's take on the role. Um, let me see here. Got a really strong cast. Uh, let me look up the IMDb. The Batman. The Batman. Um, it's going to be directed by Matt Reeves, who I believe works on a lot of comic books for DC, if I'm not mistaken. He also directed um, the newer Planet of the Apes films, as well as the first Cloverfield, which is a really great film. If you haven't watched that. What else has this man done? Uh, I guess he only directed Dawn and War for the Planet of the Apes, so he didn't do the other one. Uh, but still, really good director. If I'm not mistaken, he works on comic books, but I could be wrong. Um, that's just a name I've heard floating around before. But I'm told that I should be very excited for... Oh yeah, it says writers... Oh wait, never mind. It says Batman created by Bob Kane. But um, yeah, I'm excited for this film. Obviously, Robert Pattinson coming as Batman... Uh, Paul Dano, or Dano, coming in as Edward Nashton slash The Riddler. Colin Farrell looks unrecognizable as as the Penguin. Um, Peter Skarsgård, or Sarsgard is in the film as Gil Coulson. But Andy Serkis as Alfred is a really good casting choice there. Uh, we also have John Turturro as Carmine Falcone, or Falcone forget how to say it um and then jeffrey wright as james gordon the watcher himself and it looks like billy cogan is going to be in the film too as stanley merkel uh who you might recognize him from um eternals most recently uh, what was his character name there uh druig he was druig in the eternals but yeah very excited for the batman wondering if it's going to be rated r who knows um, I think it should be, but 
I under I would understand if they made a PG thirteen, but at the same time, just with the tone that they're going with right now, it would be so cool as a rated R Batman film. But yeah, there's my top ten most anticipated movies of twenty twenty two. I would love to know what you guys are, what your guys' list would be. If you're listening on YouTube, comment that down below. If you're not, go over to my social media pages, hit me up. I would love to see your list. And just some contenders that I had here for my top 10 most anticipated movies of the uh, of 2022. Uh, Scream, coming out in just a couple weeks here, or like next week, I think, actually. Uh, Turning Red, I believe it's a Pixar film, but it looks really good. Sonic the Hedgehog 2, I really enjoyed the first film. This film looks a little iffy, so that's why I didn't put it on the list. Top Gun Maverick, it's been delayed quite a few times, but I'm still excited for it. And obviously Tom Cruise is a badass and learned how to fly a jet for the film. I like a fighter jet. Uh, Jurassic World Dominion, I'm not the biggest Jurassic Park fan, but this one does look really interesting and has... Piqued my interest. Uh, Lightyear, the new Pixar movie, origin about Buzz Lightyear. Almost went on the list, but not quite. Uh, Black Adam, don't know what to expect with that film, so it didn't quite end up on the list, but still intrigued to see what that film entails, I guess. Uh, Halloween Ends, even though I didn't like Halloween Kills, I'm still looking forward to Halloween Ends because I still love the character of Michael Myers, and uh, we'll see how this one ends up. And the last movie in my contenders list for my top 10 most anticipated movie of... uh, Let me just start that over. The last contender in my top 10 most anticipated movies of 2022 is Creed 3. This film is not going to have Sylvester Stallone as Rocky in it. And it's also going to be directed by Michael B. Jordan himself. So I'm definitely interested to see... I think that's going to be his directorial debut, so I'm definitely interested to see how this film turns out, um, especially with not having, you know, Rocky in the Rocky-verse movies, I guess you could say. But um, very excited to see that film, for sure. Uh, and there you go. That wraps up my top 10 most anticipated movies of 2022, as well as some contenders that almost made the list. But again, would love to hear or see your list. So hit me up on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, all that kind of stuff. Let me know. But yeah, let's get on to the next topic. All right, the Harry Potter 20th anniversary Return to Hogwarts special on HBO Max came out on New Year's Day and brought back all the main cast members who are still with us. And they just gave us stories about being on the set, growing up on the set over the 10 years and the eight movies. And honestly, I had so much fun watching this. I laughed, I had a big grin on my face most through most of it, and it also made me cry quite a bit. There were quite a few emotional moments that really got to me, uh, and having grown up with these films, I would, I just felt very connected to, to this reunion. Um, I've never read that many of the books. Like I've only read up to the fourth one, which I believe is Goblet of Fire. Uh, I haven't finished Goblet of Fire, but... From the ones I've read, I really enjoyed reading them. Um, This isn't going to be a long review for this, by the way. I just kind of wanted to mention it. But it is available on HBO Max right now. Weirdest thing in this this reunion is the slight absence of J.K. Rowling. Um, They have her talking in interviews from 2019. They have clips 
from that. But they decided not to bring her back, which I understand because she's been in a lot of controversy lately over the last couple of years. But um, at the same time, it should have it, it just felt weird to see these like old clips, not that old clips, but clips from 2019 from her talking about the movies and the books and all that kind of stuff and having it say, oh, this is from 2019. Because uh, if it didn't say that, I probably wouldn't have known that it was from 2019. But to me, it was just like you either invite her to the reunion or you just keep her out of it completely and keep it just about the movies. But at the same time, you can't have Harry Potter without J.K. Rowling because she obviously created the whole thing. So it felt a little weird to see those old interviews and um, for them to not invite her back, which, again, I completely understand. But at the same time, it just felt kind of weird to be talking about Harry Potter and not having the creator there. But that was the, in terms of bad things about this, that was the worst part. Other than that, like, you know, I really enjoyed watching this, obviously, of seeing all the actors um, coming back together, talking about their time on the sets of all the movies and how close they got and just also remembering some of the cast members that we lost, like Alan Rickman, um... Yeah, those parts really got to me. But I think what got to me most is just just how close all these actors are. And I don't know. It really brings them down to a human level. Because we always look at actors as these like shining, shimmering, just beacons of of what you can you can be in Hollywood. And we don't look at them as normal human beings. At least most of us don't. We look at them at like as like a god level kind of human being. But no, at the end of the day, they're all they're all human. Like there's stories in here about Emma Watson not wanting to continue with Harry Potter past a certain point, and like honestly, all of them, uh, Rupert Rupert Grant as well, um, was talking about having the reality of fame sink in. And not wanting to do it anymore. And it's just like... Oh my god. To see such human emotions out of... Out of... Actors. And for them to... I, I don't know. Just to see them on a more human level. It it warms my heart. Especially with the cast of Harry Potter. Just... Knowing that these people I grew up with are... Just as human as I am. <laughs> You know, and I, we all know that, but deep down, like deep down, we know that. But also when we look at actors and think about actors, we think of them as as famous people, but we don't think of them as as human beings. But yeah, just just seeing Emma Watson and Rupert Grant talk about their experiences, specifically them. That was the part of the, the reunion that hit me the hardest because there was a scene where, or not a scene, I guess you can't really call it a scene, but there was a part where Rupert Grant, um, I think it's Grant, or Grant, Rupert Grant, um, he was just like talking to Emma Emma Watson, he's just like, I love you, and uh, it, they both started crying and stuff, he's just like, as a friend, I was just like, that's funny, but at the same time, that was so cute and heartfelt, and I loved every moment of it, um, one tidbit I will leave you with 
is apparently Emma Watson and uh, Tom Felton. Emma Watson playing Hermione Granger and Tom Felton playing Draco Malfoy. Apparently they had a bit of a, a fling, or not a fling, but, you know, they, they both had a crush on each other on the set after all those years. And honestly, I don't know if either of them are with anybody, but I ship them hardcore. Um, but yeah, Harry Potter 20th anniversary Return to Hogwarts was a really fun time. If you have HBO Max and you're a big fan of Harry Potter like I am, then definitely go check it out. Or if you're not a huge fan of Harry Potter, maybe don't watch it, but at the same time, maybe if you do, you'll find a new appreciation for it but yeah that is all i have to say on that harry potter reunion let's get on to the next topic all right the book of boba fett episode one chapter one rather stranger in a strange land so we have tomorrow morrison coming back as boba fett we have ming uh ming na wen as fennec shan coming back as well and this episode shows how boba fett got out of the sarlacc pit if you don't know much about Star Wars in the uh, Return of the Jedi, basically Princess Leia is held captive by Jabba the Hutt and Boba Fett as well is working for Jabba the Hutt. Luke comes in to save Leia and one thing leads to another. Boba Fett ends up in a Sarlacc pit, which if you've seen Dune, it's kind of like a sandworm, except it doesn't really like move around. It just kind of stays in one place. But yeah, everybody thought, oh, that's kind of lame. One of the coolest bounty hunters in all of Star Wars is just dead and has the Wilhelm scream, which if you don't know what that is, that's the scream sound effect that you hear in a lot of movies. Uh, I'm sure if you heard it, you'd know what I'm talking about, but it's been in so many movies. So yeah, it was kind of a lame way for that character to die, quote unquote. But obviously after Mandalorian season two, we learned that Boba Fett is in fact alive and did not die. Sorry, I got hiccups. Fuck. Did not die in the Sarlacc pit. So we get to see his escape from that. And then kind of what happens after he escapes the Sarlacc pit. Um, if you've seen Mandalorian season two, you know that his Mandalorian armor was taken away by the Jawas. And we see that happen. And then after all his armor's gone, some uh, Tusken Raiders come and take him hostage. And... Yeah, it's a really solid episode. It goes in between, you know, taking place right after Mandalorian Season 2 and then flashing back to when he comes out of the Sarlacc pit. And honestly, I like the flashbacks a lot more than I like the just like normal plot line that they're doing. Um, I'm a lot more interested to see what Boba Fett has been up to since uh, Return of the Jedi rather than seeing... His story continued, like, after the events of Mandalorian Season 2. Still excited to see that stuff. I'm just more interested in the flashback side of things, which I'm sure a lot of the episodes will have flashbacks. Um, we also got some kind of flashbacks to Attack of the Clones, which was kind of cool. Um, you know, Boba Fett as a kid. And then Jango Fett, his father, which is played by Tamora Morrison. Uh, basically the reason why, and if you don't know anything about Star Wars, I got you. I'll try to explain it as best as possible. Um, in the prequels, Tamora Morrison played Jango Fett, which is the father of Boba Fett. And Jango Fett is a clone, so that's the reason Boba Fett is played by the same actor, because he is also a clone. Um, 
so yeah, I think that's kind of cool there. I really like the character of Boba Fett, especially in Mandalorian Season 2, so I'm excited to see what more we get with this character going forward. Um, he's a lot more soft than he used to be. Uh, I don't know what changed, but he isn't in the business of really making enemies. He's trying to, like, get allies and stuff and isn't trying to, like, torture anybody or do anything, do any of the things that Jabba the Hutt did. He's trying to do things a lot differently, which I think it's cool, but at the same time, the character doesn't seem like that kind of person. Just, like, going into it, seeing him in the Star Wars movies. He doesn't seem like that kind of person, but that's just me personally. I haven't, like, deep-dived into anything in a long time. But just based on, like, the Boba Fett we got in uh, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, I just don't see him being, like, the the humble leader who doesn't want to torture anybody, who doesn't want to make enemies. He's a badass, dude. And, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he definitely beats some ass in this episode, for sure. And he is still badass, but has a different way of going about things that doesn't quite seem in character for me, but that being said, I don't know a whole lot about Boba Fett. Uh, him as a kid, obviously, it's like he's a different kind of person there. But after all these experiences that he's had, I'm sure it's made him more bitter, or maybe not even bitter, but just like stoic, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. It's in character for the most part. Him, you know, trying to be a good leader rather than being, you know, the righteous leader. But overall, really good episode. Really short episode, for sure. Um, but I enjoyed watching the flashbacks and stuff and seeing how he got to where he is now. And I'm definitely excited to keep watching the series. I never finished Bad Batch. Um, I just wasn't caring for it, really. I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan. I grew up being a very big Star Wars fan, but after... You know, the sequel trilogy that we got kind of put a bad taste for Star Wars in my mouth. So I'm just like, at this point, I'll stick to the shows and I'll watch whatever movies end up coming out. But other than that, I'm not going to be like watching all the Clone Wars or anything like that. I just don't care to. Got so many other things I can do. But really solid first episode. I'm not going to rank this one. But uh, each week I'll try to review each episode. And uh, by the time the show is over... I will review that last episode and then the series or the season as a whole. I'm sure they're going to make another season, but uh, really solid. This episode was directed by Robert Rodriguez, who worked on a lot of the Mandalorian episodes. It was written by John Favreau, who created the Mandalorian, which I fucking love. John Favreau is awesome, so kind of got the dream team here. But again, really solid up first episode. So uh, it's on Disney Plus if you want to go watch it. Check it out. Alright, The Book of Boba Fett, Episode 2, Chapter 2, The Tribes of Tatooine. This episode shows us the cousins of Jabba the Hutt, as well as we get to see a Wookiee. So that was really exciting to get those surprises in there. Um, we get to meet the mayor that was teased in the first episode, but we did not get to see. And uh, what else? Oh yeah, with the flashbacks, about 15 minutes uh, into the 
the episode, which this was a really long episode, almost 50 minutes long. Um, but we get to the flashbacks with where we left off with uh, Boba with the Tusken Raiders. And honestly, this was the best part of the episode, just him interacting with them, teaching them how to fight, how to use speeders and all that kind of stuff and protecting their tribe um, and getting closer with them. That was my favorite part of this episode. And I'm excited to see what more they do with uh, his relationship with the Tusken Raiders. But overall, giving these characters who have never really gotten their moments to shine uh, in two episodes so far is is really enjoyable for me. Uh, so far, really enjoying the series. Again, I enjoy more of the flashbacks than anything taking place in the quote-unquote present. Um, but still a really solid series so far. I'm excited to see where it goes. But I still have to say the flashbacks are more entertaining than you know, the actual plot that's going on in the show currently. But hopefully that'll change. Hopefully that'll turn around um, so I can enjoy both the flashbacks and what's going on simultaneously. Um, I'm wondering if they're going to keep up the trend with flashbacks. So far, it seems like they're going to throughout the season, um, <clears throat> which I'm down for. But we shall see. Really solid episode here. Um just trying to see if there is anything else I wanted to talk about here. Not going to give any spoilers away. Um, I mean, I already kind of spoiled some of the plot and what goes down in the episode. But other than that, like, I'm not going to get into two specifics. Um, saying that I'm not going to spoil anything after I spoiled stuff is, you know. Oh, well. Shit happens. But yeah, really solid episode so far. Not a whole lot to say about it. But definitely go check it out on Disney+. Plus. First two episodes are out now. And uh, yeah, not in the next episode, but in the one after that, I will talk about episode three. And depending on how long it takes for me to upload the episode after the next, um, maybe I'll even have the fourth episode review ready. But we shall see. Uh, without further ado, let's get on to our next topics. The King's Man is a 2021 prequel to the first two Kingsman films. Um, right off the bat, I'm going to say, I wish they would have just made another Kingsman film with, you know, Taron Edgerton and all that, rather than making this. Um, so if that's any indication on how I feel about this movie, you know, here you go. But uh, it stars Ralph Fiennes as Orlando Oxford, Harris Dickinson as Conrad Oxford, uh, Gemma Arterton as Polly. We also have Demon Hansu uh, as Shola. We have Rise F. Uh, Iffens. Iffens. I always say his name wrong. But uh, as Gregory Rasputin, Matthew Good as Morton. We also have Charles Dance from Game of Thrones as Kitchener. Uh, who else do we got in here? We also have Daniel Brohl as Eric Jean Han Hansen. Probably saying his name wrong. I have no idea. But um, it's directed by Matthew Vaughn, who directed the first two Kingsman films. And the screenplay is by him, as well as Carl Gajdisek. Definitely saying his name wrong. I am not good at pronouncing names. But uh, it's based on the comic book The Secret Service by Mark Millar. And... This takes place right at the cusp of World War One, right about the start, and you have 
these people trying to influence the war and get certain parties involved and turn certain parties against each other. And meanwhile, America needs to get involved in the war to actually, you know, put an end to it. And what what's the word I'm looking for? Turn the tide of the war, essentially, but they're not getting involved. So you have Orlando Oxford, who has to get involved under the radar um, in order to get America involved and, you know, try to stop the people who are getting their hands into everything going on and trying to influence everything and turn people against each other. Um, all this while he is trying to keep his son Conrad, played by Harris Dickinson, from going to war and serving his country because Orlando is a pacifist after certain events happened to him after he was in the war and had to do some terrible things. And after, um, and this is a bit of a spoiler, but after his wife uh, gets killed, and she basically makes him promise that uh, Conrad never has to see war again. And so him being a pacifist and also, you know, keep trying to keep his promise to his his dead wife. Um, he really wants to keep his son Conrad out of the war. Um, we have Polly and then Shola, who work for Orlando, but also work with him on these secret missions and stuff like like that. Um, Polly and Orlando kind of have a romantic thing going on somewhat. Um, but at the same time, certain things happen in the movie and it kind of comes out of nowhere. And I'm just like, really? I don't feel like they set that up a whole lot, but okay. Um, I think... And I apologize if I'm saying his name right. Demon Hansu. I think the J is silent. Um, I think he could have been in a lot better of a movie. Because <laughs> they just, I don't think, gave him a whole lot to do. And I really like him as an actor. So a little disappointed by, you know, the writing that he was given. The writing overall isn't terrible. Uh, there are a lot of scenes in here you know, a lot of war scenes that reminded me a lot of 1917. Um, yeah, just a lot of elements in this movie that reminded me of other films. But there were very little times where this reminded me of a Kingsman film. It doesn't quite have the flair that the other Kingsman films have. Um, I don't know. Going into it, I was just like, as long as it has the same kind of style of the other Kingsman films, I might be entertained by this. But overall, I was just really not disappointed because I wasn't expecting a whole lot going into it. But just like very underwhelmed. Um, there is a stinger, kind of like an after credit scene, more of a post credit scene, um, involving a certain historical character. And... They're trying to, like, build them up as the next big bad in this kind of, like, prequel series. Which, honestly, I hope they don't make more of. Because this was not very good at all. Um, 
you know, aside from, like, certain references to, like, the names of certain Kingsman members and stuff like that, uh, there's really no other connection to the Kingsman films. And I just don't want to see more of these. I really don't. I I don't find these, or, like, I, I didn't find this movie to be worthy of another film, like a sequel in the kind of prequel series that I'm sure they're going to try to do. I'm not going to say who this historical figure is that comes in at the uh, post credit scene, but it's just not a good idea. It's not. And it's borderline disrespectful and, and like really problematic. So you might be able to guess what historical character I'm talking about, but yeah, not a good idea, guys. Don't do that. Uh, overall, the action in this film I thought was really good. I liked most of the actors in this film. Harris Dickinson was definitely a, a standout for me. Uh, I will say he resembles George McKay from 1917. So when he's in certain scenes of like being in the war, I'm just like, I feel like I'm watching 1917 right now. Um, aside from that, it also feels a little bit like Indiana Jones, just a tad, not a whole lot, but just a little bit, um, just a little bit, but yeah, the villains leave a lot to be desired. Daniel Brohl barely has a role in this film. Just like certain actors you want more of, you just don't get a whole lot of, um, or at least for me, Daniel Brohl, I wanted more from, um, but the main character here for sure is Ralph Fiennes as Orlando Oxford. And I think him and Harris Dickinson are the two best characters in this film. Um, Gemma Arterton as Polly, I would say, is my third favorite character. Then Demon Hansu as Shola. Aside from that, no other characters really stand out to me. I will say Rasputin is such a disgusting character and so fucked up. And usually I like fucked up, but... He's just like, he, he's just creepy and there's like subtle kind of rape humor and and stuff with his character. And I just wasn't down for it. Um, so yeah, didn't, didn't enjoy his character at all. I, um, bit of a spoiler to say this, but his character doesn't stick around that long. Um, so that's somewhat of a saving grace for me because I really did not enjoy, and, and I don't blame the actor. Uh, and I always say his name wrong, Rice Evans, um, or is it Reese Evans? I, I don't know, but I, I don't blame him for how bad the, his character was. I think it was just the writing that he was given. It was just unsettling and and just gross. And usually I'm down for fucked up shit, but. With his character, I was just like, nah, nah, I'm not really having this. But overall, I'm going to give this film a 5 out of 10. It was somewhat entertaining, and I'm a sucker for period pieces. So having like those certain war scenes, even though it reminded me heavily of 1917, uh, I still enjoyed those scenes, and I thought it had some good action, and the some of the characters as well. I really enjoyed. So there's my review for The King's Man 2021.
All right, 2021's Sing 2 is written and directed by Garth Jennings, who directed the first film, and it stars Matthew McConaughey as Buster Moon once again. We also have Reese Witherspoon as Rosita, uh, Scarlett Johansson as Ash, Tori Kelly as Mina, Taryn Edgerton as Johnny, Nick Kroll as Gunter, uh, Garth Jennings, the director, playing Miss Crawley, one of the funniest characters for sure. Uh, Jennifer Saunders as Nana. We also have some new characters in this film. We have Chelsea Peretti as Suki, which I was excited to hear her voice in this movie because I was like, hey, that's Gina from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, also newcomer, Mr. Crystal, played by Bobby Cannavale. Uh, Nick Offerman as Norman. Uh, we also have Adam Buxton as Klaus Kicken. Kicking Clobber. <laughs> um, Eric Andre as Darius. Halsey as Portia Crystal. Letitia uh, Wright as Nushi. Pharrell Williams as Alfonso. Uh, and Bono playing Clay Calloway. Um, if you don't know Bono, he's the lead singer for U2. And they play a lot of his music in this film. Um, Definitely my favorite character of this film was Clay Calloway. Really solid uh, emotional story with him. If you haven't seen the trailer, essentially what's up with his character is he hasn't performed in 15 years because he uh, is mourning over his dead wife. And basically you have this show that Buster Moon is trying to put on for Mr. Crystal, which Mr. Crystal is just this really scary Arctic Fox dude who's definitely a gangster. And, um, yeah, he has to get Clay Calloway in the show because they stupidly promised Clay Calloway, uh, in the beginning just to get the show up and running. And it's a little hard to get to this guy, but... After a while, Ash kind of stays with him, and I don't know. The scenes between Ash and Calloway are the best in this movie. Anything having to do with Calloway in this film is, like, my favorite part of it. Um, Yeah, really, really solid emotion in this film. Maybe not as much as the first one for me, personally. I really enjoyed the first Sing movie, which I believe came back... Uh, came out back in 2016, if I'm not mistaken. Let me fact check that real quick. <clears throat> yeah, 2016. Jeez, took him long enough. But I'm definitely down to see another movie. I, I love these singing animals. <laughs> I mean, it's literally American Idol, but with animated animals singing them. But... You know, I kind of like it. <laughs> this movie definitely isn't as good as the first film, but it, it still delivers on the emotion and the laughs and all these characters that I love, especially Johnny. He's, ever since the first movie, he's been my favorite. Um, which I thought it was funny how Taron Edgerton sang, uh, his character sang I'm Still Standing by Elton John uh, in the first Sing movie, 
and then Taron Edgerton went on to play Elton John in Rocket Man. But um yeah, I really did enjoy Sing Two. I am gonna give it in a uh, seven point five out of ten. Not a perfect score. It's not a perfect movie, but it did give me some laughs. It did make me cry, I will admit. But um not groundbreaking by any means. It's still an animated singing animal movie with pop songs. But that being said, it's still a really good film. Uh, So definitely go check it out. If you have kids, they'll enjoy it. And I think for parents and stuff, there's stuff there for them. I was in the theater with parents and kids. And the parents honestly sound like they're having more fun than the kids. But that's just my theater, I guess. But yeah, really solid movie. And you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and give it an 8 out of 10. That seems fair. I really did enjoy this film, and I'm definitely going to watch it again, just like I watched, rewatched the first film, because I really enjoy it. Um, so yeah, there you go. There's my review for Sing 2. All right, The Matrix from 1999. This is written and directed by Lana and Lily Wachowski, better known as the Wachowski Brothers. Uh, it stars Keanu Reeves as Neo, Lawrence Fishburne as Morpheus, Carrie Ann Moss as Trinity, and Hugo Weaving as Agent Smith. Um, really solid movie. Right off the bat, I'm going to give this an 8 out of 10. Some of the visual effects don't hold up to today's standards, but there is some in there that I'm like, this still holds up and this is still pretty solid. Really great action in this movie. At times, Keanu Reeves isn't the greatest at acting in this film. Uh, he's never been, like, a top-tier actor, but I still love Keanu Reeves. Um, Lawrence Fishburne is great in this film, so is Carrie Ann Moss and Hugo Weaving. Um, such a solid movie and such a cool concept. If you don't know what The Matrix is about, essentially you have The Matrix, which is this simulation which all of humankind lives in, essentially. And you have these people trying to break people out of this simulation, um, such as Morpheus and Trinity. And then you have Agent Smith, who's essentially the AI inside the Matrix trying to stop them from, you know, opening people's eyes to the truth. But really solid uh, concept, really cool action. Um, let me look at my notes here because I have some stuff to say. Obviously, we have, like, the whole bullet dodging thing in this movie, which is such a classic scene. Um, Let me see here. A lot of really classic scenes. I will say this. The Lego movie took a lot from this movie. Um, But, yeah, let me see here. There's specific things that I wrote down that I wanted to talk about. But, yeah, essentially... (sighs) Sorry about that, just woke up not too long ago. Um, Essentially, you have this programming controlled by AI because in reality, AI took over and all of humankind lives in the Matrix. Um, One thing I thought of while I was watching it that was like kind of funny, um, when they take, you know, you get the red pill, pill, the blue pill, red pill, you know, you see how far the rabbit hole goes Blue pill, you know, you wake up as if nothing ever happened. But imagine if those pills, like, took an hour to kick in, so they're just, like, kind of sitting and chilling for a while. Just like, so, how you doing? Um, 
uh, aren't we supposed to like go into the matrix or do something right now? Oh no, the pills actually take a while to kick in. So honestly, we're just going to chill here for a little while. Um, can I get you some water or, (laughs) but yeah, just imagine like all this technology that they figured out and somehow they can't figure out fast acting pills, but, (laughs) um, let me see here. Another thing I wanted to talk about. They don't know the exact year that they live in, but it's roughly twenty one ninety nine. Um also there's a moment in here where Keanu is like guns, lots of guns. And that's actually in one of the John Wick movies. I can't remember exactly which one, but I was like, hey. That was in a John Wick movie, so they got it from this. That's kind of cool. Um, really cool fight scenes in here. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie, spoiler alert, but also it's been out since 1999, so, you know, if you haven't seen it, the I don't know, maybe you're too young, but um, there is a scene where they're going to save Morpheus, and they kill a bunch of, like, guards, and yeah, just, like, a bunch of guards and kind of almost swat people, and I'm just like... Are these real people living in the Matrix? Because I don't think these are... I don't think these are AI, you know, security guards. I think these are actual people that you're just, like, murdering. Uh, So there I was just like... I mean, this action scene is cool, but at the same time, you're trying to save these people from the Matrix. But no, you're just kind of killing them right now. That's what I got from it, at least. Aside from that, though... Really solid movie. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Um, love the action in the film. Again, some of the CGI and special effects don't hold up by today's standards, but some of it still does. Um, really cool concepts. I'm sure if I were seeing this for the first time in the theaters, my mind would be blown back in 1999. But alas, I was not alive until a year after. Um, yeah, really great movie. Such a classic action movie some of the action and some of the scenes seem a little typical of an action movie and they're kind of cheesy but it's the late 90s early 2000s it makes sense that's kind of how action movies were um and it's a little bit how they still are but they've changed their tune a little bit but yeah there's my review for the first matrix from 1999 again i'm gonna give it an 8 out of 10 really solid um yeah Let's talk about the next Matrix movie. All right, 2003 is The Matrix Reloaded. So uh, this is a continuation of The Matrix series, obviously. This is the second one. Uh, Fun fact, The Matrix Reloaded and then The Matrix Revolutions came out in the same year. So pretty much back-to-back. We have all the same cast here, except we got a few added uh, cast members here, which I'll only list off a couple as to save time. Uh, let me see here. We have Jada Pinkett Smith coming in. Uh, what's her character's name? I just had it. Why is it not here anymore? Oh, sorry. One sec. Uh, Niobe. Or, yeah. Niobe, I believe is her name. Uh, another added character we have here. Um, uh, we have Randall Duck Kim as the keymaker. Uh, Christopher Kirby is Mauser. Is that his name? Uh, was he from the first movie? 
I don't know. I can't remember. Um, there you go. I listed off a couple for you. I'm going to be honest. This movie I did not like as much. Um, I'm going to give you the synopsis here. Freedom fighters Neo, Trinity, and Morpheus continue to lead the revolt against the machine army, unleashing their arsenal of extraordinary skills and weaponry against the systematic forces of repression and exploitation. Again, just a continuation of the story. Um, I'm not going to go too deep into this one. I'm going to be honest. I didn't pay too close attention to it. It really lost me in a lot of parts. I'm going to say this now. First one's never, you know, no other movie is ever going to beat the first Matrix film. Uh, I don't know about the new one. We'll see. But um, nowhere near as good as the first film. Um, there's a really long, like, rave scene slash sex scene in this film towards the beginning that dragged on way too long. And uh, even though this is 2003, it still feels very 90s um, with, like, a lot of the black leather suits and stuff like that. And I don't know. This one's pretty cheesy. Uh, I will say some of the visual effects were upgraded a little bit, and then some of them looked worse somehow. But um, there were certain moments in here where I'm like, this looks like a movie that could possibly come out nowadays. Uh, and then in other parts, I'm just like, oh, this looks like a movie that came out in the 90s. And uh, honestly, they're probably working on it during the 90s. Who fucking knows? Um, I think the first one came out in like 99. So it's early 2000s, like pre-2005 still feels very 90s when you're watching movies, at least to me. Um, I don't know. There's just a lot of cheesy shit in here. That being said, there's a really cool scene on a highway, which I've always heard about, um, that they, like, blew up a highway or something like that, um, just for this movie, and that costed them a bunch of money. Um, honestly, I don't think they needed to fucking blow up a highway because it ended up not looking good anyways, but I don't know. I just wasn't really feeling it with this movie. First one's so good, and this one tries to, like, continue the story while making you... Not nostalgic, but just, like, making you really love these characters even more than you did the first time around. <laughs> and... It, it Again, this movie just really did not do it for me. Um, if I'm ever going to rewatch The Matrix, it's just going to be the first one, most likely. Again, I haven't seen the third or the fourth one, but yeah, I just did not like this one very much. Um, I mean, Neo, Keanu Reeves is fucking cool in this movie. Lawrence Fishburne, Morpheus is awesome. Uh, Carrie Ann Moss as Trinity, also awesome. Hugo Weaving as Agent Smith. Honestly, I can't see anybody else playing Agent Smith, but I already know that somebody does in The Matrix Resurrections. Um, it's... It's a fine movie. Also, sorry if you hear dogs barking in the background. But uh, it, it's fine. It's nothing great. I mean, the action is pretty cool. There's a really cool fucking fight scene in here. Um, towards the beginning, I believe, where Neo is just fighting a bunch of agents. And the visual effects in there don't look the greatest. But honestly, it was just a, a cool-ass fight scene for sure. So um, I'm not going to be deep diving into this movie at all. It's it's basically just a continuation of the story. Um, nothing too crazy. Some added characters here and there. Kind of world build... Fuck, can't talk. World building a little bit. Realizing that there's a 
fuck ton of people out of the Matrix. Like, not just the main group that you see in the first movie, but a lot of people are, uh, and I believe they call it Zion, which used to be Earth, essentially, uh, until the robots took over. And there's a lot of people there. I wasn't expecting as many people to be out of the Matrix as there were. And I was just like, oh, that's kind of cool. And also kind of makes sense, because why would it just be, you know... Why would it just be the small group of people that are out of the Matrix? I'm sure there'd be a lot more people. And this movie answered that. Yes, there definitely is. There's a large population of people out of the Matrix living on Zion. Um, and, yeah. That's kind of where that rave scene came in. And then Trinity and Neo were hooking up and shit. And it was just like a big rave scene with really weird music. And weird dancing and people barely dressed. And uh, that on top of a sex scene that just both of those... Well, I guess it was pretty much the same scene, I guess. But simultaneously, it all just went on way too long. And I was just like, oh, this is what this movie is going to be, I guess. Um, Jesus Christ, let your dog in. I don't know if you guys can hear that. Nah, it's not showing up. So maybe you can't hear it, maybe you can. That fucking bothers me when I try to record something and then everything's just so loud. That's why I try to wait until it's nighttime to record this stuff, but even then. Uh, I'm going to give this movie a 5 out of 10. Nothing crazy. Not going to watch it again, most likely, unless I'm really, really wanting to watch the whole, the whole series again. But yeah, 5 out of 10, nothing special, nothing that really stuck with me a whole lot. Some certain action scenes that I thought were really cool and iconic, but just not really blown away by the second film. And it has me a little worried for the third one because I hear that pretty much anything after these first two films goes downhill. And I haven't heard many good things about The Matrix Resurrections yet, which I will be getting to in a little bit. But, yeah, there's my review for The Matrix Reloaded from 2003. Now let's go on to, uh, what is it, The Matrix Revolutions, also from 2003. All right, The Matrix Revolutions, another movie I am not going to have much to say on. Uh, but the one thing that it has in common with the second movie is that it, none of, n neither of these are as good as the first one which I think is going to be a trend for the next one. But, um, I mean, this one kind of, quote-unquote, wrapped it up, even though we have another film after it. Um, the conclusion of this trilogy... Honestly, I, I don't think included uh, concluded bad at all. I, I like the, the final battle between Neo and, and Agent Smith. I think that was the coolest part of the movie, for sure. And then the people on Zion fighting all these, like, robot tentacle things. Pretty fucking dope. In, like, mech suits from Alien, almost. Um. Yeah, I will say the the visual effects in this film were very much improved and had some really cool moments there. But, um, overall, still not as good as the first one. Still not as good as a, of a plot. Um. Morpheus really takes a back seat in this one, I feel like. Um, I don't know. 
There's a lot about this movie that I find very cheesy, very hokey. But at the same time, there's certain moments of this film where I'm just like, I had a lot of fun watching this and certain fight scenes, mainly the Neo and Agent Smith one. It's just so fucking entertaining where they're basically like Superman and Zod at this point. But still, it's really fun to watch. Um, and then like the effects with the rain and stuff like that. So freaking cool. Um, if you haven't seen these movies, then you have no idea what I'm talking about. But I don't feel like explaining it because I don't even know if I fully get it. But that's kind of the thing about the Matrix movies. Like, you kind of get you kind of don't. And some of it's really cheesy. Some of it's over the top. But at the end of the day, it's Keanu Reeves. So, can't go too wrong. But, overall, I had uh, I had fun watching the trilogy. Not a whole lot of fun. I, I don't think I'd really watch these movies again. That's just me personally. I know the first Matrix is, like, one of the greatest movies of, like, the... 21st century did it come out in the 21st century yeah i don't know i sound like an idiot most of the time but um i know it's regarded as a, like one of the best action slash sci-fi movies of all time and i love the concept but i have to say i i think it works better as a concept than than a film series um which i'm sure a lot of matrix fans are going to be like what the fuck is wrong with you but having watched all three of these movies in 2021 doesn't quite hold up the way that I think it would have uh, if I had seen these movies when they first came out. So I'm not, I, I don't have a huge connection to them, really. Um, again, the first one's really good. I really did enjoy that, and the concept alone really carried that film for me. Um, and some of the characters I thought were really great, too, like Neo and Morpheus even Trinity a little bit, but really didn't care for Trinity in this third one. Um, this movie is fine. I'm going to give it a 5 out of 10. I'm not going to watch it again. I'm not going to watch the second one again. Might watch the first one again at some point in the future. So we'll have to wait and see what I think of Resurrections. But overall, if you're disappointed by my review for the Matrix series so far, then sorry, they're not really for me. I, I try to review things and give them a chance, but sometimes I watch a movie where I just don't have a whole lot to say and just really wasn't too impressed. So that's how I felt about The Matrix Revolutions as well as Reloaded. The first one I thought was really good, as I said before. Still haven't watched Resurrections, but that'll be the next review. Um, so, you know what? Without further ado, let's talk about The Matrix Resurrections. Alright, The Matrix Resurrections is a 2021 film. It's available on HBO Max. Stars Keanu Reeves as Neo slash Thomas Anderson. Carrie Ann Moss as Trinity slash Tiffany. Yahya Abdul-Mateen II as Morbius slash Agent Smith. Jonathan Groff as Smith. Jessica Henwick as Bugs. Neil Patrick Harris as The Analyst. Jada Pinkett Smith as Naomi. Or Niobe. Um, Priyanka Chopra Jonas. Um, as Sati, hopefully I'm saying that right, uh, Christina Ritchie as Gwendevere, and that's pretty much the main cast for you there, um, it's the fourth Matrix film, and honestly, if I had watched this film before my last episode, this would have ended up on my top 10 worst of 2021, not sure which spot, 
But yeah, the trend stays true. The first Matrix will always be better than any of the sequels. This is a really weird sequel because it has a lot of grand ideas of the Matrix being basically being a video game created by Thomas Anderson slash Neo. And uh, he's he, he is very paranoid and he's remembering all these things that he doesn't think is true. The machine or the 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 um, the programming is making him think he's just crazy. And he has the analyst played by Neil Patrick Harris, who's essentially his therapist in this film. He is kind of like the, uh, the architect from the second film. Um, but yeah, his character was okay. Honestly, I'm most disappointed by Yaya Abdul-Mateen II as Morpheus. Um, anything this guy has been in, whether it be like Watchmen, Candyman, Aquaman, Trial of Chicago 7, Black Mirror, Us, Handmaid's Tale, Greatest Showman. He's been good in everything I've seen him in, uh, except for this, and I don't think it's his fault. I think it was just the writing that he was given. Um, <clears throat> there's a plot line in the movie where Warner Brothers, and I'm not making this up, Warner Brothers wants to make another Matrix game, I guess. Uh, and really on the nose in that part, and they're talking about how, you know, they always want to make sequels to things. And very on the nose. And I'm surprised that Warner Brothers was cool with it. Or maybe they had no clue about it. But it also kind of reminded me of Space Jam, A New Legacy. Uh, just the way that Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers was tied into the plot. But very disappointed by Yahya Abdul-Mateen II as Morpheus. Definitely didn't embody the character. I get they were trying to go for something new, but it did not work. Um, Jonathan Groff as Smith. Honestly, you can't replace Hugo Weaving as Agent Smith, so didn't even come close, but nice try. Um, Naomi was a lot older in this film. Um, she was fine. She's the general in this film. Um, Christina Ritchie was barely in it. Same with Priyanka, Chopra, Jonas. Um... She was barely in it, too. Bugs has a pretty pretty big role, and honestly, uh, another Warner Brothers thing, her name, it's Bugs, like Bugs Bunny. Um, I don't know. They, this movie had a lot of interesting ideas, but by the end of the film, none of it really worked, and some of it was abandoned, and some other things just kind of fizzled out. But overall, yeah, I would say this film is pretty disappointing. I thought it was cool that they had the updated technology to make things look better. But overall, in terms of the plot, not a good film. Um, I'm going to give this a 4 out of 10. There, I don't know, because I wanted to like this film. And it was really entertaining and kind of interesting at first. And there's certain concepts like Neo creating the Matrix as a video game. I thought would have been really cool. And him not knowing whether or not it was all real and thinks he's just psychotic, honestly. I thought all that was interesting, but obviously that's not what's actually going on because it's the Matrix. They're not going to completely change the plot of the Matrix. Um, they're just going to kind of try to do something interesting and updated for the times. But overall, this film was 
disappointing, but also I wasn't too surprised that it wasn't that great. I have going into it, I heard a lot of bad things. So yeah, not a good film whatsoever. Um, me not being the biggest fan of the Matrix, I thought, hey, this is an updated movie for the times. Maybe I'll like this more just because it's like newer and has updated technology. But <clears throat> and from the trailers alone to the <clears throat> excuse me, that's gross. From the trailers alone, it looked really interesting, and I was down to watch it. But after watching it now, and also going into it knowing that it wasn't going to be that grit, that good, I went into it with an open mind, but saw what everybody was talking about. So that's my review for The Matrix Resurrections, and that concludes my reviews for the entire Matrix series. Now, without further ado, let's get on to the next topic. Last but certainly not least, Hawkeye Season 1 as well as uh, Episode 6, because I never got to like break that down, which I'm just going to break that down real quick. I don't think Kingpin Pen is dead. Um, also, spoiler alert, but at this point, you should have watched it. Um, so fuck you. Nah, you're good. <laughs> um, yeah, really enjoyed this last episode, but... Kingpin that's not dead. I'm also really happy to see Vincent D'Onofrio again. So cool. And I'm really hoping that he shows up in a Spider-Man movie and is like one of the main villains of the Spider- Spider-Man movie because I know they're at least planning on making three more. Um, so uh, he, Kingpin is like normally a Spider-Man villain. So I really want to see him fight Tom Holland's Spider-Man and that, ah, that would just be so cool. That's that's what I'm dreaming of because I am a huge fan of the Spider-Man PS4 game. And one of the main villains in the beginning of that game is Kingpin. That's actually the first villain that you go after in the game. And it is so perfect. And I love it with every fiber of my being. But I was I was somewhat hoping that Spider-Man would show up in this episode, spoiler alert for the episode, which I already kind of spoiled something, but oh fucking well, you should have watched it by now. Spoiler alert for the episode, but mainly for Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, at the end of No Way Home, Spider-Man's swinging around New York, and you see the exact area where they're, uh, Clint and Kate are in the last episode of Hawkeye, where which is that uh, ice skating rink. Uh, with that gigantic tree that fell over in episode six. I was really hoping Spider-Man would just show up and be like, yo, what the fuck is going on here? And then he would face off with Kingpin, but that totally would have stole Hawkeye's thunder with the series. That it'd, it'd just be like, hey, go see No Way Home, rather than, hey, this is the last episode of Hawkeye. Let's, let's have Hawkeye in it. But... I don't know. That would have been cool, but at the same time, I understand. I completely understand why they didn't. Um, but yeah, that being said, that would have been really cool. And I'm definitely looking forward to hopefully getting some young adventures with Kate Bishop and have Tom Holland there. Because I would like to see them kind of bounce off each other in terms of acting. Um, but yeah, really solid last episode there. But yeah, Kingpin is not dead. He's not. I know it. 
And also, I'm very excited to see the Echo series um, with Maya. Who? What's her name? I'm going to look it up again. Maya. I, I keep wanting to say Lopez. I don't think it's Maya Lopez. For the love of God, how many Hawkeyes are there? I'm looking for the series. Uh, bear with me, people. Maya, oh yeah, I was right. Maya Lopez. Okay. Maybe I should trust my gut next time. But, yeah, I really did enjoy her character. And I was so happy to see Clint uh, go home for Christmas. On Christmas Day, and he brought Kate and Lucky the pizza dog with him. And that was so sweet, and that was a really nice way to wrap up the season. But uh, the season as a whole, I really did enjoy. Um, I don't know if it'd be my favorite of the Disney Plus shows, because I think Loki still is in the number one spot. But this, I would probably say, is like right up there with Loki. Um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and WandaVision. While I love both of those shows, I, I there's a lot of stuff in those seasons that I'm not a huge fan of, just the way they handled certain things, um, specifically with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I didn't like the villains in there, the Flag Smashers and Carly Morgenthau. I didn't find her character very appealing, I guess. And just the villains, what they were trying to do was really vague. It's just like, I don't know. If you want to hear my review for that, go find it. But, yeah. Uh, Loki was def Loki. Hawkeye was definitely uh, a really solid series. Um, and I hope they make a second season just like I know they're making a second season of Loki. Which I am so excited for. But yeah, it's Hawkeye and Loki are like neck and neck. I don't know which one I like more. I'd probably have to watch them both an extra time to know for sure. But really solid season here. And I am excited to tell you guys, since this is the end of the episode, if you're still listening, uh, I am going to be having Clayton English on the podcast in the next episode. Uh, he plays Grills on the show Hawkeye, and he's also in a bunch of other stuff. And he was on Last Comic Standing, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Netflix's Love, um, Wild and Out, another thing there. So definitely excited to have him on as a guest. Look, Looking forward to that, and keep your eye out for it, because it'll be a video form podcast. Uh, well, I'll have an audio form if you just want to listen on like Spotify or Apple Podcasts or something like that. But I will have a video form up on YouTube. I uh, got a brand new mic that I'm looking forward to using and a new webcam and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. And since I'm posting more on YouTube, there you go. Uh, my goal for 2022 is to have more guests on the podcast. So, I'm going to try to do that as much as possible. But that is the end of this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Pop Culture Podcast. If you're listening on YouTube, leave a comment, leave a like, 
subscribe, do all that kind of stuff. And I will see you in the next one. Mm-hmm.